The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. My name is Randall Einhorn. I was the director of photography on The Office and sometimes director of The Office. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us back here on The Office Deep Dive. As always, I am your host, Brian Baumgartner. Now, today we have such a treat for you. This episode, all right, is the beginning of a, a kind of mini-series, a deep dive within the deep dive, if you will, about the camera on The Office, specifically the camera as a character. As I have said many times, the thing that I am most proud of about The Office is the attention to detail about the camera. Every shot was meticulously thought out to make it feel like a real documentary. In every scene we shot, there was always a conversation about the camera's angle, the way that it moved, and the intention of the camera. And so who better to talk about all of this than the guy who shot it, the guy who was holding the camera, Randall Einhorn. Now, I love Randall's story. Okay, I'm not going to give it away, but let me just say that he started out as a river guide, deep in Australia, mate, down under in the wilderness. And, and then he ended up as DP of the office. It's incredible. And even though Randall is this like adventury outdoorsman guy who'd rather sleep in dirt than a bed, he is also the sweetest guy that you'll ever meet. And he and I have spent many a night at his home, which used to be an ashram, drinking wine, looking at the stars, and talking about life and the things that are really important. And as you'll hear momentarily, he still holds what we did on The Office as something truly special. Folks, there may be some tears today, okay? I'm not saying whose, but you're going to find out soon enough. So please, welcome the man behind the camera, Randall Einhorn. Bubble and squeak, I love it. Bubble and squeak, I know. 
we could cook it every morning left over from the night before. Here, you're over there. It's been pricey. I just came up for air myself. I just, I did a pilot for HBO Max that I just finished shooting on Friday. Yeah. You know, pilot. Is it good? Oh, it's really good. Really? really good. Yeah. They're doing 80 shows in the next, uh, this, thank you. Your volume's on the left here. Okay. No one has adjusted the volume yet. I'm going to tell you. He tells you everyone that me. it's on the left. You watch me. If I get too much of you, I just just do this on the left. <laughs> oh, that's the one on the right. Hello. See, I didn't hear you. Got nothing. Hello. Nothing, nothing at all. You can't hear it at all. I can hear you now. God, I turned you back up. Bless it. Um. So it's HBO Max. They've got eighty new shows that they're doing next year, and mine was I hope one of them. Have you seen Lodge Forty Nine? No. Um. I mean, unless that makes me sound dumb, and then yes, it, I have. But I don't remember much about it. Remind me? <laughs> you haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Nobody watched it. It was an hour on AMC. This feels weird talking to you. Right. Looking at you with through the microphone and the headphones. Why? We're just having a chat. <laughs> <laughs> um, what Did you do Lodge 49? I did the pilot for that on oh. AMC, and that was an hour, and it was on just bef after uh, Better Call Saul. Here's my issue. AMC is just confusing to me, and I'll tell you why. The reason is they do remarkable shows, mm -hmm. but I never understand when it's things are on. Right. Yeah. So I just eventually, but I'm the schmuck that like, I'm like, oh shoot, Better Call Saul has had four episodes, and then I go buy them yeah. on Amazon or whatever. So I'm, I'm, I guess I'm contributing to their bottom line. You certainly are. Thank you very much. Maybe they, yeah. You should do that for Lodge 49. Go buy it. Lodge that. 49. Go buy it. Um, all right. So now you're a big time Hollywood director, super, producer. Super big time. Really actually, big it's, time. It says on my card. If I can draw. <laughs> Randall Einhorn. Super big time. Super big time. Super big time. Does anyone ask you like, oh, is this your production company? And you're like, no, I'm just super big time. Just super big time. <laughs> I actually have a production company named Finally. Because uh -huh. I have, I sold three pilots this year. Um, sad unicorn. Sad unicorn. Yeah, because an einhorn is a unicorn. And why is it sad? Because it's funny when a unicorn is sad, right? That might be the best production company name that I've ever heard. Sad unicorn. Sad unicorn. I like unicorn. it. Yeah. I will say, I don't know why, the only other name that is popping into my head that, that I think can compete with sad unicorn is bad robot. Bad, I think that's bad robot's good. Bad robot. That's a really good. That's name. a really good one. I also thought about uh, Misery Loves Company. Mm, there you go. That sounded but like a game show. Co on the end. You have. All right, I'm going to say that. I was about to compliment you, but no, do I don't. That. Nah, do I don't feel. Do I don't feel quite. I'll look away. Um, no, I don't. I don't feel quite ready. Um, all right, so now you're this big time. Super big time. Super big time. Super big time, sorry. Mm -hmm. Super big time um, writer, producer. What were you doing prior to the years 2005-ish, 4-ish, 5-ish? What were, what were you working on then? So I came in, the reason I got to the office is I was DPing some extreme sports stuff. Um, okay. Snowboarding with Sean White and Jeremy Jones, who are snowboarders. Yeah. And Jackson Hole and... Ben Silverman decided that I was the guy to shoot the office because I can shoot outdoor extreme sports. So therefore, <laughs> you should shoot the office because you've, I mean, I, I came from outdoor adventure sports. I came from the Eco Challenge, and then I was a DP on Survivor as well. The whole time? No, the first season of Survivor. The and first season? Yeah, DP the first one, and then I ended up, you know, being operator on six more. Wow. Mm -hmm. So I came from outdoor adventure pursuits. And then I ended up in a fluorescent uh, office. Right. And did you work with Ben? How did you know Ben? Because Ben came to Jackson Hole while I was shooting this extreme sports stuff and decided I was the guy. And so he went to Greg and said, this is our guy. Yeah, this is our guy. And Greg and I set a meeting to meet at a coffee bean near here, 
which is on Santa Monica Boulevard. And I knew of a coffee bean on Santa Monica Boulevard. So I, I was new to the Los Angeles. I lived two hours from a stoplight in Australia. So I knew of a, of a, a coffee bean on Santa Monica Boulevard. I went there and I waited for Greg for like 15 minutes. And then I figured, oh, I should, I should call and see where he is. Well, he was at the coffee bean on Santa Monica, just about 20, 10 miles away. So I showed up for the meeting about 45 minutes late, but Greg's all right. All right. So yeah, we we hung out and that's my first meeting with Greg. Really? And did and then did you wait or were you were you hired pretty quickly after that? I was hired pretty quickly after that. I think I in that initial conversation, like I I I I referred to the office as a tofu hot dog. And I remember Greg kind of latched onto that. And I think he liked it. But what it, what it meant to me is it's it's good food wrapped like junk food. So you had to, you had to always kind of dissect it and kind of, you know, put it in a, a veneer and you're always putting it under a veneer of something just caught or just, just gleaned or shoot it on a long lens. So it appears to be privileged information, which is extra juicy for the viewer. <laughs> right. We talked a lot about what I thought it should look like because I really came from a documentary world. And, um, it always feels false to me when I see a camera right next to people who are having a very intimate conversation. And I, I, I told Craig, I think that that camera should be a very, very long way away so that the viewer's really leaning in. They feel privileged by it. They feel like it, it feels, it reads more honest if his camera is a long way away as opposed to it just being right there because they, people would have an awareness of that camera. And it's subliminal, but to me, it makes sense. Uh, Ken Quapas talked to me a little bit about having to work for a shot. That he didn't want the camera necessarily in the right place mm -hmm. to get the perfect setup television shot. That if there was a filing cabinet in the way, or if there was a pillar in the way, that that was actually a good thing, that the camera had to work to find it. Yeah, Einstein said, in the midst of difficulty lies opportunity. And I think that what we did on the office, like when we build the first season we shot on, you know, in J.J. Abrams' office, it was a real office with real doors and real low ceilings and real everything and everything was difficult and every single thing that made it more difficult made it better because you had to work for it and it made it seem more real so we were always putting stuff in the way and you know making it the more inconvenient it was the, the more real and grounded it felt which i think allowed the comedy to go a little bit further because the more grounded the, the look of it maybe you can push things a little bit more comedically right i remember um you shooting constantly and being like, ah, yeah, I think this shot is too pretty. And you would just pull, you yourself would just pull the plant over. <laughs> so there would be some leaves right. like in the corner of the screen again, yeah. like trying to block it. Yeah. Trying to look, trying to be hidden as if we were, you know, gleaning something that we were privileged to see. You know, we did that all the time on Survivor. If people are having a conversation, just back way up the beach and it makes it feel more real. Um, I remember when we moved out of JJ's office and we built it on a stage, we had like a, I don't know, a 30,000 square foot stage. We, and we built this office and normally in normal television shows, they would, they would make the walls so that they could fly away and they would make everything so you could shoot through, you know, you could pull a wall away and shoot, put the camera there easily. And we didn't do any of that. Everything that made it more difficult made it better. And it's, I think we owe it all to Einstein. In the midst of difficulty lies opportunity. I think that's brilliant. But uh, that was, he said it in German. It didn't sound as lyrical. Mm. <laughs> in steam i don't know what it is but oh you bring out your german yeah if i sneak that's all i can say really um so the only thing that was changed from the practical office space to when we set up on the sound stage because we wanted the whole uh dimensions and everything to be the same wasn't there like a nine inches increased in the conference room or something <laughs> like that i think i think we made the conference room like nine inches wider and we made the kitchen like a foot and a half wider Okay, just to try to get yeah. your ass in the corner. Just because I'm not a small ass. Just to try to get it as far into the corner yeah. to shoot the, you know. The exactly. And the kitchen was still really, really, really hard to shoot. And, you know, it had all these reflective surfaces all, all over it. I think we made the doors like four inches higher because, I don't know if you remember, we were we boomed the whole show, which was crazy, but but really worth it. And the camera would go in and the camera's, I'm 6'5", and the camera was uh, like another, I'm 5'10". I thought you'd pick up on that. Anyway, you think of me as 6'5", right? I do. I think of you as 6'5". 6'5", <laughs> like 180. 
<laughs> yeah, that's how I think of myself too. Anyway, um, you know, I'm 5'10", and the camera would be another, you know, four inches above my head. Sure. And then, and then the boom would come in the room over my head. So we had all the, you know, entering a room was always a, an adventure. Yeah. So we, we tried to shoot the office as truthful as possible, and there were rules. For instance, we could not show where another camera was because that would, that would give up the lie. Like in, in other words, if, some, if a camera is standing in a, in a doorway um, and another character comes to that doorway and I'm over the shoulder of that character, we would never show that character standing in that doorway because there should be another camera there. So we would never show a big wide shot of a room that is completely conventional in all television. You would see the wide and then you would see the tights. And within that wide, there should have been cameras inside right, in, if in it's the a frame. Right. If it's a documentary, if Steve's standing at his office and someone is filming Steve and then we cut, we go back and then we have a camera that's shooting over Steve to the rest of the, of, of the people in the bullpen watching, you should see a camera man standing behind them. Yeah. And, and the, the rule that we came up with is if it could have possibly been done by being really skilled verite documentary cameraman, we could do it. If not, we shouldn't do it. Right. Um, and so we always, we always tried to figure out another way of doing it. And I think that that made it cooler. It so made, cool. it made it so much more challenging and, and more interesting, but we had rules. We had rules that we would not break. Did you ever catch a cameraman? We would whip through each other at times, but we would hope that n you would never use the take where we whip through each other. Um, but we would also just duck. And Matt would know that I have to duck down or I would, he would duck down when I'm whipping through him. Do you remember one of your favorite examples of doing that? There are so many. We were always, we were always hiding. We were right. always hiding from each other because we were shooting 360, which is a tricky thing about lighting that said is we, we were just using the fluorescent lights to make these scoops, these light scoops to send out a soft wash. Um, I don't know. Really... Wait, say that again? These light scoops yeah. to send out a sh soft wash? So we had these. That we, is, wait, say that again? We had these, we made these mylar box, these boxes out of cardboard with mylar inside of them and a piece of diffusion. And you would stick that mylar, that you'd stick that box on a light. And that's the light that would send out a nice soft wash to the rest of the room. But not on a fluorescent. We weren't really using fluorescents. We were really using fluorescents. Yep. Unbelievable. <laughs> yep. Get you fired from other shows. Well, that's that's what you're supposed to do. Yep. On our show, do whatever would get you fired on other well, shows. I didn't know any better, so it all worked out. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. 
Zen Nicotine Pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen Nicotine Pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen Nicotine Pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at zen.com. That's zyn.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, there were so many things that were done to create this ultra reality and working conditions that were not on the outside pleasant. We were stuck in that room. We were there all day long, camera moving around, which really the other potentially most important character in the whole show was the camera itself. In terms of creating that family and everybody there, it was the camera guys and one boom operator. We were all in there together. Yeah. We were just, you know, fitting in where you could get in. I mean, cause so, so much of that place was a not, not an easy place to move. It wasn't convenient, but it was awesome. I mean, being able to work all that out and, you know, I, having come from a, a, a cinema verite style, documentary style, while I had done a shameful amount of reality TV, it wasn't my flavor of choice. It was just something I had done. So I was really used to just trying to fit in where we could get in and like, you know, other operator and then DP and then director of the show, Matt Sohn, we had shot a bunch of reality got together. You know, they talk about the line when, you know, the line is, is in, and cameras want to be on one side of the line or another. They don't want to be on either side of the line because one person's face will be looking left to right and you want the person they're talking to's face to be looking right to left. If you're on either, the wrong side of the line, you'll end up with two people looking left to right, and it won't look like they're having a conversation. So we always paid a lot of attention to the line, but it's also that one thing that we just kind of were so versed in, because you have to be. When you're telling a, st a story that is truly caught, that line comes very naturally. So blocking scenes was a blast, and it was so much fun, just Matt and I just looking at each other and the boom, boom person operator looking at us like, okay, where do I go? Um, and I'm like, that's not my problem. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> you're a sound guy. Right. <laughs> but a, a ton, you bring up a great point that a ton of our rehearsal time was really about not blocking of actors, but blocking of the cameras. And, and in every show you, you have to you know, figure out where the camera is and how it's moving. Right. But the intricacies of that to make sure that you could capture the action was truly masterful. Well, the, we, I, I think we spend a lot, we spend a lot less time on that, on the office blocking, blocking camera and blocking, you know, for me, the best way of, of gleaning a scene on the office was everybody be where there would be and I will shoot what I can. And that's kind of how we did it. And I remember Harold Ramis came in and he, everybody's so excited. Harold Ramis is on our set. Oh my God, it's Harold Ramis on our set. And he spent like a week extra just blocking the show. And there was a point where, you know, a rehearsal was done and he had a theory of how it would be blocked. And, you know, Matt and I just kind of stood back and used our fingers as if they were cameras. And you get this, I'll get this. Great, we'll cross the line here. We'll come over there. We'll come around here. You don't need to duck because I'm zooming through you to get this line. And I'll duck for you to zoom through. And Harold looked at me and he says, I should just throw my plans out, right? I'm like, no, Mr. Ramis, it's a real privilege, sir, to, I'm so happy to hear, I'm sure all that work you did in there was great. He says, 
And, and we, he says, okay, I'll, I'll keep it for a little bit. And then we blocked another scene. He goes, I should chuck this out, right? I'm like, no, Mr. Ramis, it's really great to see you coming in with a, with a plan. He says, don't shit me, kid. I should get rid of this. I'm like, well, you could keep it as backup. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That is amazing. Yeah. Well, one of the things that, um, one of the things that Ken mentioned was that actually in traditional documentaries, you don't see that whip pan mm -hmm. that, um, there was some discussion slash argument early on about n people not wanting to include that, but you know, he felt like that on television, that, that those visual cues of, of messiness was was really important did you feel the same way yeah i remember I, like I, I just watched an earlier episode of the office and my god the camera work is outstanding it was one other thing i took away but um you know the, it's kind of insistent that if if somebody would you know like if michael was wanted to close his office door the the persistence of the camera it's like no i'm gonna look through the blinds okay you close the blinds okay i'm gonna come around to these and i'm gonna get in and just it it just made it feel more delicious and that that the camera was nosy and it was really was not relenting it wasn't going to give you the space it may, might let you think you had the space to go have a private moment but it probably had another angle on you anyway but that but that's what i mean about the camera being a character itself that it was an active participant in the action yeah it's it certainly you know I, I i definitely feel like the camera was was a character in the show. And some of the, some of the best direction I ever got from directors was the type of direction you would give an actor. You feel this, you're, you're worried about this, you're curious about that, but you know this. And it was kind of the similar type of direction you'd give an actor. And that was some of the best, you know, um, inspiration as a camera, like to that, that the camera always had a point of view. It had an agenda. It had its own stories it wanted to tell, regardless of what the characters in the show wanted to tell. That was the thing that I was the most proud of, I think, of everything in the show. How much care and thought was put into the camera and not just their attitude, but the camera as it related to the other characters in the space. Every single scene, there was always a decision made and I'm tremendously proud of that and your work in that. Thank you. Yeah. It was, it was so much fun. I mean, I remember doing scenes and I, I think that at any given time, the camera would have a different relationship with the characters, just like another character would have a different relationship with the character. Like I would look at Jenna and I would, you know, Jenna would smile and I would smile back. I just could not, not, um, you know, at times I think I was probably somebody who was invasive to Michael Scott's privacy. Or when you caught Michael Scott in an embarrassing moment and he really wishes you weren't there. Um, that's where I think so much of the fun is. Or when Rain thinks he's gonna, he's gonna pull one over on Jim and you just kind of like, okay, I'm gonna go along with this with you because it'll be fun and it'll make a great TV story. So yeah, you had, definitely felt like I had relationships with, everybody on that show. Yeah. And the, you, you just brought up something that I hadn't, I had sort of forgotten about or hadn't thought about how significant it was, but on most television shows as an actor, when you're shooting it, the camera, the person who's operating the camera is typically very dead faced, often just looking into the lens or having their head down or sort of turned away and the sort of traditional um, you know, that's just sort of traditionally how it's done because you're attempting to not distract the actor from whatever they're saying, whether it's serious or dramatic or funny or whatever. But I, you would laugh. Like you would specifically as the camera laugh and interact with the action that's going on. And that's so rare and also helpful most of the time. Probably really unprofessional. <laughs> well, no, but I think, no, but I think that was part of it. I mean, yeah. I think it actually, we talk about the camera as the character, but it, it really was you. I mean, it really was the operator of the camera who was that character, much like, 
you know, the quote unquote documentarian who was usually the director who was asking questions during the talking head. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. I never thought about that before, but you're laughing and total lack of professionalism was actually <laughs> a benefit. It's unbelievable. That and the, the, the terrible lighting I do. The terrible lighting. I mean, right? I, I don't know. I, you know, for me, form follows function. The fact that you're, you're, the camera has a point of view and it's really trying to discover things and it has its own agenda, that informs why that show looks that way, which is other shows that I do don't have that look. It's really important for me to try to find the right look for any show I'm doing and being a character in that place, investigating what the stories that are going on informed to me how that show should look. It's really documentary, right? I mean, yeah. it, it was really about trying to find all of the elements of making a documentary. And in a true documentary, it's being put together solely in the editing bay. Mm -hmm. And the story that's happening actually in real time that you don't get retakes of, you, you get what you get. Mm -hmm. Whereas in this, you were really telling the story in the moment visually. That then, you know, we take the best takes and we do, but, but, but how that story is told is influenced way more by you as the operator of the camera than in post. The editors might disagree, <laughs> but I, I, I think the attitude that the camera has on set is certainly how the story is told. Do you think the editors would disagree? No, no, I don't. I'm just giving them a dig. No, I... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think they loved, they enjoyed that attitude and they always would, would cut that attitude in there because I think that was a, a really, a, some, a special sauce that no other show had. Yeah. And although we didn't shoot a whole lot of oneers, right? So one shot that carries us through an entire scene that you can't really cut up. You, you really were oftentimes by connecting, as you said, Jenna, to John, we see John, and then we see Rain looking at John, looking at Jenna, and you you see the realization from all of those characters what's happening in that moment. It's not an Orson Welles, however many minutes a right. wonder, but you're still creating the story that an editor can't change. We did we did do a lot. I mean, I always tried to do a lot of Warners because I thought they told so much. They gave so much background as to where everybody was, and and things just would often line up so beautifully. Um, I, I really enjoy those things where you see Steve go into his office and the camera tried to go into his office and he just shuts the door and then he just shuts the blinds and then he just shuts the other blinds and then he goes around to the other, you know. I, I really enjoy that. It, it tells me what the camera's thinking in a really cool way. Do you remember any happy accidents or things that happened in Wonners that you you would not have been able to get if you had shot it differently. We certainly tried to shoot like the Jim and Pam kiss. I was so far away from them. Ken okay. Quapas was directing and I was in the kitchen and all the lights were out and we just had barely, barely light on. And it was a really long lens shot. It was probably 300 millimeter long lens shot. It's really, so it, it just felt, it felt so real. And I remember doing it, it was like, you know, I was actually getting choked up and I knew very well that I was John Krasinski and, and Jenna Fisher and that there was craft service just out the, out the door. And I would see John and Jenna there in a minute, but I would still get emotionally involved. I would get invested because it, it, to me, what I was shooting looked real and I was with those characters and it all felt real. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, that was beautiful. My, my um, what I was thinking of was not nearly as sweet as what you said. We tried to do kind of a one -er. I don't think it was actually a one -er, but in stress relief, in the episode where the fake fire drill happens, mm -hmm. where Dwight lights oh, yeah. the fire, and we try to do that. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember this, but there's a shot where Kevin, me, I'm running through <laughs> the office. Yep. I'm running through the kitchen to go from the, I've just raided the vending machine and I'm running through the kitchen and I shoulder you, I, yeah. I nudge you, you go down yep. on the on your ass, on the ground. And Chris Workman, who was the camera assistant, huge, beefy, very strong guy, reaches down, picks you up by the shoulders, 
you stand back up with the camera and keep filming. <laughs> yeah. And that that stayed in. Oh, man. I was so proud of that. Of he, you and more of me, but of you. And most, I was really proud of Chris. I mean, he picked me up like I, I'm not small. No. And the no, camera you, is not small. Um, and he just picked me up with one arm and I'm like, did I fall down? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. So then he kept rolling and it is in the show and it's great. It felt so real. I remember, I remember I'm backing up, backing up, backing up, backing up, not fast enough. Boom. <laughs> oh, I'm up again. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. It's funny. Cause like on, on normal, on normal TV shows where there's always a guy who's guiding you backwards. And I never wanted it. I was always weirded out by somebody guiding me to where I should be. Cause I always, I always kind of look, half look behind me and half look through the viewfinder and just normally it's a, a grip who's doing that. And I never wanted that. I never, never allowed that. But Chris was there that day. He was there. He totally caught me. <sighs> I think maybe he was opening the door for me as well. Cause I was yes, rushing was backwards. The, you were rushing backwards. There yeah. was the door. We kind of got missed time because the door was, I don't remember, but I shouldered you yeah. and thought, uh-oh, that's bad. And then realized we were still going and yeah. I kept going. <laughs> we were still going. <laughs> I remember also there was a time, there was some, um, on the basketball episode. Yes. John got his nose, a bloody nose. And the story was he was supposed to get a bloody nose, but he actually really got a bloody nose. So I'm, I'm rushing right in there because John's bleeding and I'm shooting it. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he stayed with it. He's like, okay, all right, we just cut now because my nose hurts. <laughs> but I remember we just all rolled with it. I also remember up on the roof, Dwight and Michael were throwing a watermelon off the roof onto a trampoline to try to hit Stanley's car. And they didn't think they'd be able to hit Stanley's car. But, and we thought, okay, we're going to have to do this with visual effects and it's going to be a fake watermelon. It's going to smash on a car. And we're, we're all, you know, leaning over the roof in harnesses and they throw the watermelon off and hits the trampoline and hits Stanley's car and dents the roof. And it was a real, it really happened. So I just panned back up to them and they just kept going with it. It was, it was fantastic. Um, there was another thing that has come up. Talk to me a little bit about the positioning of the talking heads and, and where certain characters were shot. And if there, was there a reason for which direction? There was. And, and I don't know if, you know, everybody else and anybody ever got this, it just me meant something to me. And that was, you know, everybody was shot, um, pointing into the office where Leslie was sitting. So in front of Stanley, except for Jim, because I thought that Jim was the one person who was going to leave that place. And they had something bigger they wanted to do. And so Jim got to, his position was looking out the window and the parking lot and the sun. And eventually once Jim and Pam got together, then Jim and Pam were both in front of the windows because they were both going to leave this place and go to someplace better. That's awesome. I love that. That's like a, what do they call it? The kids? An Easter egg. That's an Easter egg for the kids. That's an Easter egg. Yep. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow.
The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen nicotine pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen nicotine pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at zen.com. That's zyn.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So you were telling stories in the reality world and then, you know, being the director of photography and, and holding the camera. But then now you move into directing mm -hmm. for your first time. So what was the first thing you directed? You know, I was, it was the office because Greg said, you're telling jokes with a camera. I'm like, I'm trying to? He says, you should direct some. So I'll try to. And Greg started, you know, insisted that I start directing. And, and, and you started with the webisodes, right? No. No, I started with, um, first one I did was. I think mm, I'm right. Mm, the accountants. Los Contadores? Los Contadores. Oh, I thought I thought I was I thought I did an initiation, Ben Franklin, and then office party. I thought it was after that. We're gonna have to check the records. I th I mean, didn't we check the records, guys? Didn't I do the math? Is anyone listening? I think I'm right. Probably. I think the accounts was first, but it doesn't matter. So NBC and Ben and Greg, um, this idea is hatched or a request is made from the network that while we're not shooting. One summer, we want to continue um, to tell stories of other cast members who maybe don't get as much attention during some of the episodes. And we created uh, the first ever digital streaming series for a network, which was called Los Contadores. Los Contadores, the accountants. And you directed that. Yeah. Um, how was that different? Or what did you think doing it? Well, I remember that it was done without resources. None. None whatsoever. Um, I shot it on a camera you could buy at uh, Target. It was like a, a $1,500 camera. I was pulling my own focus. I think I had a, a, a gaffer and a, and, a, and a grip. And that was it. We had nobody else. And so I shot it with one camera and I directed it. And it was really fast and it was really fun. And I love the accountants. I mean, that's the cool, that's, that's really where the cool kids are. It really is. What I remember you saying when we started working on that was kind of like, I, I don't know what it is. It's, it's like there's school or there's work and then there's like, you know, an extracurricular activity <laughs> or something that you get to do, which is still at school, yeah. but you can be a little bigger. And I remember you saying like, we don't have to play even by our own weird rules for the office. Like we can invent a different style for, for this to exist. And it's, I, I went back and watched it. It's really fun. Yeah. It was just fun to just to do, do it such a skeleton crew. I mean, everything, but like when we went to New York, I remember the first time we went to New York, it was me, Greg and Steve. And that was it. And then we had, we had to hire a, we had to hire a union gaffer and a grip. And they just sat in the van and the whole day. <laughs> they just sat in the van. Who, who, who held the camera? I shot it on a tiny little, um, you know, consumer camera. 
You did? Yeah, we just take like a $3,000 camera there and it just sticks in my bag. You just put it in your suitcase mm -hmm. and took it on a plane yep. with Steve Carell and Greg Daniels and shot shots outside of New York City. Yeah, because New York City looks beautiful and anything you could do to it to, in, in a lighting sense is probably going to screw it up. So we just shot what was there. That's amazing. Yeah. I would love to see the stuff with it that we shot, that we just played, that we just, you know, we're just screwing around. Because there was a bunch. Did you have, what, did you have security or? No. No one was closing off the street? No, nothing. Nothing at all. I remember the night. Did Steve have a trailer? Like, I'm so nope. curious about all of these we things. We stayed at the W and Steve and I, we got in and we went to go get, we went to Johnny's for a slice. And at the time there was, you know, the 40-year-old virgin posters were at Times Square and there was the the Chipmunks movie that he was in and the office was getting big. And and I remember Steve and I walking to Johnny's and then walking home on Times Square where there's a bazillion people and Steve being as gracious to the first person who stopped him as he was to the thousandth person that stopped him. He just was never in a hurry, never wanted to go. It was great. That's who that guy is. That is who that guy is. Yeah. Initiation was 2006, mm -hmm. which was which was what season? Oh, god dang it. You but guys had it in the right order, and I changed it around because I thought you were wrong. Um, all right, so you are telling stories by holding the camera. Mm -hmm. You've told stories shooting through reality. Now you finally got your first chance to actually direct a scripted program, which was on The Office. Initiation, yeah. And um, I think, yeah, BJ wrote it. And it was when Dwight takes BJ out to the farm to initiate him. And there was one of my favorite lines of The Office that we got to do improv of that was, just as you plant that seed in the ground, I am going to plant my seed in you. <laughs> and it made the television. Oh, that's so amazing. <laughs> and it made television. That is so amazing. Um, how did leaving the office, so going to the beet farm, or, you know, we think about the show as being so stuck mm -hmm. in that one place. And it's known, obviously, the iconic, the office, the bullpen that we shot most of the stuff in. But then as the seasons began to move and we started to go out, yeah. for example, the beet farm, did, did that alter anything, leaving that bullpen environment? I think, you know, if we try to make the, the bullpen environment seem like a prison, um, which I think we did, um, then outside could be the liberation, the, the, a liberating feeling to get people outside, get people breathing fresh air. Like there's a scene in the beet farm where I just back the cameras way off, really, really far away. And it's just Dwight and BJ in the, in, you know, BJ on his knees planting a seed and, <clears throat> and, uh, and just back the camera way off and just let the sun play. And it was just gorgeous. So I tried to make it a, a reprieve, a break from what? the monotony of uh, fluorescent tubes. Was that a metaphor? No, I don't know what a metaphor is. I don't either. It might have been. I, someone just said it that I should say that word a lot. So yeah. I've just been trying. I've been trying to use to the word metaphor. dramaturgy. And I'm, I'm going to try to work it in here someplace. The word I keep using is juxtaposition. Juxtaposition, nice. Yeah, because there's an X in it, and mm. words with Xs make you seem real smart. Yeah, contextualize as now well. You're bragging. I mean, contextualize is a great word. When you contextualize the juxtaposition of ideas, it's um, usually enlightening. It's <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. Um, I, uh, but that was the first time we went to the beet farm. That was the first time at, 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 the, at the beet farm, yeah. And, you know, it was, it, was, it was really, really cool to get to direct a show, the show because everybody had my back. Everybody was so supportive and tolerant, and, and I knew how I wanted to shoot it too. <laughs> but everybody was just so behind me, and that just felt incredible, you know, and... I think I've gone on and I've directed 15 or 16 episodes of, of the show. And Greg Daniels, like, bless his heart, he was, you know, I, I, I started to think maybe I want to do more directing. And Greg let me go direct other TV shows and come back to the office to DP. And nobody in this industry does that. Nobody does that for people. Yeah. So he wanted you yeah. to be able to pursue what you wanted to yeah. do yeah. and welcomed you back whenever you could. Certainly did. 
Yeah. That's pretty special. That's really special. Yeah. No, I mean, everybody's, you know, you're shooting 22 episodes or something in a season and, and everybody needs to be there pulling their weight. And, and Greg's like, no, you should go do something else. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. <gasps> you know, that's Greg. It's Greg. Yeah. So end of season six, mm-hmm. you leave the office. How difficult was it to make that decision to leave? You know, I mean, I think that's when I stopped DPing. Yeah. yeah when I stopped DPing, that was, that was scary. That was really scary because I knew I could shoot. I mean, I didn't go to film school. I didn't go to school. <laughs> I, right. I, 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 you know, I, I barely graduated high school. Um, right. But I, I and by did, high school, you mean third grade. I do. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't really have a backup plan other than maybe I could go back to the office if this doesn't, didn't work. And it was a very good job and I had fun doing it every single day. But I started, I, I fell in love with directing. I still love shooting, but I fell in love with directing. And it was scary because I had this job for six years. And in television, having a job for six years is, is unheard of. There are very few shows that get to do that. And I was making good money and I moved my family out here from Australia to try so I could go home at night. And it was scary to step away, but I, I really felt very safe that I was, that Greg would always be there. He'd always let me back in. Right. Um, And you know, a lot of conversation obviously about when Steve left, but I remember when you left. And it was a deeply emotional time for us as well. I mean, I remember us talking about it and you talking about some of your fear or anxiety, but feeling like it was, it was time. And, you know, as one of those, quite frankly, core cast members um, that were together, I remember that being a very, it was very difficult for us. We, yeah. we knew we were going to miss you. Well. I missed everybody and it was, it was, that, that was tricky. It was like leaving home, you know, it's like, you you know, you need to, or you're not going to grow, but at the same time, home is a great place. Yeah. What are you most proud of about the show or thankful for? You know, I, what I'm thankful for is Greg giving me the chance, Greg and Ben giving me the chance. I mean, it's completely changed my life. I'm, you know, it's, and they did it in such a gracious way. That's another thing I think about. It's like, there was never a bad idea on The Office. Never a bad, if somebody in craft service gave Greg an idea, he's like, that's a great idea. Right. And he would go run with it. So it was, it was just, I, I think what I love so much about it is it was just so collaborative. And it wasn't always easy to find a way to do something, but we always figured it out. And, and I think it was Greg who first said, yeah, everything that we do, everything that... Everything that makes it harder makes it better, which I think is kind of um, a metaphor for life. You know, it strikes me, you know, Ben told me that he went to Kevin Riley and said, this guy, Greg Daniels is the guy, the guy who had not worked very much at all in, in live action Mm. program. And then Ben goes to Greg and says, this guy, Randall Einhorn, he's the guy, someone who's never shot a scripted show. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like these kids got given the keys to this really cool toy yeah. that Ricky Gervais created and went, okay, well, let's, you know what? Let's not worry about doing it how other people would do it. Right. Because we haven't done that. Let's do it in our own way. I think there's, there's, there's something very liberating about not knowing how to do something that you come up with your, the, your own way of doing it. That, that might be special. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I had no formal film training whatsoever. I just thought, I like that. Oh, that's cool. And that's what I would, you know, I would just get to chase what I felt was cool, not what I thought I knew. Yeah, the notion of hiring a documentarian to be the documentarian on a scripted TV show when you dissect that, I, I don't know that that's necessarily the wisest choice, <laughs> but it really worked. And yeah. I think obviously Ben saw something and, and Greg saw something. And it's not necessarily the choice that I think 
99.999% of people would ever make. But right. they did. They did. Where do you think you would be right now if the office hadn't never happened? Oh, Australia? Probably Australia. The Outback? Out the Outback, mate. Yeah. I love rain. Remember rain used to make fun of my accent, which I don't hear. Do oh, I have? You do have an accent. Now, you, when you listen to this, you'll be like, oh, yeah. I mean, No. But rain, rain's, mate, there I was. It was beautiful. Caught a wild boar, mate. Gorgeous. Beautiful. <laughs> so amazing. <laughs> Um, I, I just want you to know that I think the work you did in creating the vision of this show and the aesthetic is truly awe-inspiring. Thank you. Yeah. And all of your success, um, is well-deserved. Even though you're an idiot reality guy, um, you turned out to be pretty dad gum <laughs> smart and, and I love you, man. Thank you. I love you too. I was a pretty unhappy reality guy. Yeah. It was my first scripted job and I've, I was really lucky. All right. Awesome. Anything else you guys? That was fun. Dude. Can't believe I teared up because Greg got me, but yes! I, I can't, I can't believe <laughs> I it. I did it. How incredible was that? I had so much fun talking to Randall. And as I told him after the recording, he really surprised me during that interview. He was so smart and insightful. I mean, I didn't think he was dumb before, but he quoted Albert Einstein. Who does that? And by the way, Randall only has one testicle. So that kind of thinking from a man with one testicle is also very impressive. Maybe we'll get Randall back to talk about that story. That's a gem of a story on another occasion. But thank you, Randall. Listen, his work on The Office, so special. It would not have been The Office without Randall. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week, folks. Stay tuned next week as we dive deeper into all things camera with some actors on that subject. Until then, have a great week. The Office Deep Dive is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Baumgartner, alongside our executive producer, Lang Lee. Our senior producer is Tessa Kramer. Our producer is Adam Macias. Our associate producer is Emily Carr, and our assistant editor is Diego Tapia. My main man in the booth is Alec Moore. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by my great friend Creed Bratton, and the episode was mixed by Seth Olansky. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Bring it every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.